Welcome to the worst of the best podcast. You wanted the best. Well, they didn't freaking make it. So here's what you get from Canada Ryan and Jason. Welcome to another episode of the Worst of the Best podcast. I'm Ryan, and of course with me is my brother, Jason. Jason, how are you doing today? Doing good. Happy to talk with you this week. Yeah, we did a big episode last week, uh, Celebrity Deaths. It was not a slog to get through, but it was just, it's rough to go through and talk about all these dead people, dead celebrities. It was fun. It turned out well, but I think this episode is a little bit lighter, a little bit more fun, kind of back to the our regular programming so to speak with fun light interesting odd different lists and topics but before we get into it jason we got an email regarding our regarding our celebrity death well we asked did we forget anybody and we did you know one person we did forget i would have put on the list but i can't believe i forgot this actress raquel welch oh yeah yeah the the screen bombshell they call her yeah yeah the poster Uh, in uh shawshank cell the shawshank redemption in the cell there yeah, gorgeous actress, of course, in her day. Yeah, I, and that's a name I know and didn't have to Google to know who she is. And was, I don't know how I missed it. I remember seeing it, too, throughout the year. And then even when I compiled the list together, it's like, anyway, so my apologies to Raquel Welch and her family. She would have made the list, but she definitely would not have been the worst pick regardless. But rest in peace to Raquel. But this is from Doug, Doug Greenberg. He's a big fan of our show. He listens to every episode, which is great. Thanks, Doug, for your support. And he goes, Ryan and Jay, no notable deaths in November. How dare you? He says, oh. so he starts off strong, comes off strong on us. We apologize, uh, Doug. He says, on November 30th, we lost the great Shane McGowan. He'll go on to explain who it is. And so this is probably why he didn't make our list, Doug, because, of course, everyone's, this is what we were asking people, like, if had you been on the show, who would you put on the list? Because it's all personal, right? Who is a celebrity to you might not be a celebrity to me. He said, on November 30th, we lost the great Shane McGowan. Now, I know Shane McGowan is not a household name in the giant pool of famous musicians, but he was an enormous loss for the music as a whole. He was the founder and lead singer of the Irish folk punk band, The Pogues. Mm. Remember the band? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And is, in my humble opinion, in the discussion of one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Irish born and raised in London, his songs tell tales of hanging out in the London ghetto, missing his Ireland home, and the European immigrants searching for a better life in America. Most of the Pogues' music didn't hit the mainstream here in the States because of the traditional Irish folk style, but it should have. Their song, Fairy Tale of New York, is my favorite Christmas song ever. Great job, as always. I love your show, and I hope to guest host again one day. Doug, yeah, he's been on a couple of episodes back in the day, so Doug, we'd love to have you on for sure. We haven't done a, a three-time guest host with Jason as a third person, have we? We should get Doug on or anyone else yeah, who'd like to join we us. We would love that. So if you're listening to the show and you think you have the podcasting chops to join us, and more specifically, <laughs> if there's a topic you'd like to bring to the table, we would love to have you on. And I think Doug is, is such a person. So Doug, if you truly would like to come on the show and guest host with my brother and myself, we would love to have you on. But you need to come with a topic. Come with a list. Come with an idea. Shoot me an email. All right. Anyone else uh, do the same? The email is in the show notes. So we'd love to hear from you guys. And we appreciate the support. 
And, and Ryan, let's be honest. Um, don't have the standards set so high. We do not have any podcasting chops. No, so if you don't, if you don't trust me, you can. If if I can yep. do this, well, anybody can do this. Oh, Jay, don't sell yourself short. You're great. You're uh, great. Um, we're great together. You're my brother. It doesn't matter. We're hanging out. That's why we do this. If anyone happens to listen to our hangout session, that's fine with me. Okay. Jay, what's your experience with basements? Basements, uh, that's the place where you would play with your toys, get out of your parents' hair, maybe do some of your place where you exercise. Um, you have that uh, kid's room where they can listen to their, watch their movies and listen to their music without interference of parents. I mean, that's my recollection of basements for the most part. Yeah, for kids, that was what we used it for. I remember I had my weight set down there. As a teenager, definitely our little movie room. That's where the laundry facilities usually are. Remember when we had that flood in the basement? <laughs> do you remember that flood? Oh, yeah, I do. I do, actually, yes. You know how I discovered that flood? I did the paper route as a kid, right? Uh-huh. And I came home, and I just walked down the stairs to the basement to get whatever, and I stepped into the water. Like I stepped into the I was Wow. Like, what? I think I was the discoverer of the flood. Okay. Oh, boy. What a mess. Well, we survived. It's odd to have your basement flood. It was like ankle deep. It was quite a bit of water, and it was the drain yeah, systems that backed up. Yeah, and some of the stuff our belongings got damaged. I think some of Dad's records got damaged, if I remember correctly. Oof, it's too bad. Water is insidious. <laughs> it it like, does not. Yeah, it, 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 ruthless. In a house, that and an infestation of any type. Those are the you know waters number one, I think, and then rodents sure. or ants or wasps eating into your walls something like like those are like they're one and two usually yeah and jason you brought up some great different experiences people can have in the basement from floods to insects and mold and some good memories too with exercise equipment or movie watching however we are going to talk about nine different things that people discovered in their basement wait, things just, that we did just not wait, just wait. we can't go on without talking about that one room that we had growing up that one basement room the same place that we had the flood remember that right. room that was wall oh, yeah Two wall plastered rock and roll from Circus Magazine, Rip Magazine, Hit Parader Magazine, and all our favorite rockers and, and metal that bands. It was awesome. It was awesome. And that's we covered where, every yeah, square inch. Every square inch was covered with our favorite it's bands, like a clutch. And favorite rock stars. I wish we took a yeah, photo. Yeah, every we magazine. Never thought of taking a photo. Uh, wow. No, we, we never thought have. of taking a photo. Well, yeah, we didn't have cell phones back then, obviously. So that was just back in the day where you didn't take pictures of everything. There was a yeah. time when that was the case. You just have it in your memory. So it's still in our memory, but I just kind of wish if I could go For back sure. in time, there's so many things I would have taken photos of, but you just don't think you're going to care about when you're an adult. You just enjoy it when you're a kid. But. And that was literally that was literally not a single piece of painted wall was exposed it was all hard rock <laughs> yeah i love it i pictures. love it it was posters and magazine cutouts combined yeah. thanks to our parents for letting us do that for letting us be teenagers and having our rock and roll idols on the wall so they let us have our own little boys room down there a little boys cave we weren't quite men mm-hmm. yet so it wasn't a man cave it was a boys cave okay yeah fun little place actually that place there okay But Jason and I and our brothers, we did not discover any of the things that these people discovered in their homes. We're going to go through nine different things that people discovered. So as we just discussed, Jay, despite its potential for versatility, the basement often remains an overlooked area prompting associated with eerie tales of lurking monsters waiting to strike. Do you ever think about that when you're a kid? The basement was a little bit scary. You turn off the light and you're like... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You go down to do the laundry, right? You go down to do the laundry. You're like taking your life in your own hands. It's funny. I've seen some fun instagram videos 
of the oh, shared yeah. experience. You turn off the light and you yeah, run up the, the stairs. <laughs> that creature is chasing you, but it stops just at the door as you close it to your bedroom. It, it's funny it's how funny we all have that shared experience. Yes, it's funny because we all can relate. Why is that then? Why do we all have that? Is something in our evolution or DNA about the darkness and being chased? Maybe it's... It's weird that we can watch those videos and everyone in the comments, and I love those comments where I guess we all have, none of us have unique experiences. We all have the same shared experience to a certain degree in life. Yeah, that's it's, true. Uh, the reality of most basements is far less dramatic. They are often mundane spaces, occasionally doubling as spider's nests. However, hidden among the dull, some basements hold intriguing secrets left behind by previous occupants or other glimpses into times long gone. So Jason and I are going to explore nine remarkable discoveries made by people in their basements. So number nine, Jay, a seemingly innocuous well might not evoke fear when situated in an open field. Have you ever seen a well in an open field, like an old farmer's well? I don't think I ever have. No. What an interesting concept back in the day, you know, the old West, they dig deep enough to get water underground. Like that's pretty crazy. I don't know. It's weird that they're able to do that. And they did do that back in the day and just put that bucket down there and scoop up water and bring it back up. Yeah. That's odd to me. If the world depended on my knowledge of how to do things, I'd be dead. So quickly, I wouldn't know how to dig a well, make a well. Uh, anyways, so Jason, we all know what a well is. However, the scenario takes a chilling turn when you envision a well in your basement. And not only that, you find yourself plummeting through the floorboards into its icy depths. This is precisely what happened to Christopher Town, a 67-year-old man who was helping a friend with furniture relocation in their kinetic home and it was an older home it was considered historic home as the floor unexpectedly gave way with a disconcerting crack christopher fell 30 feet into the darkness below 30 feet jay yeah i've actually seen this story online i've okay. actually seen a video on this it's very interesting he clung desperately to the rocky walls of the well narrowly avoiding the threat of drowning until the rescue team arrived Remarkably, this hidden well had once been situated, of course, outdoors. This was a common well that people use outdoors. Yeah. It was hidden with the house expansion, and it was only covered with a wooden flooring. A man in Connecticut is lucky to be alive after surviving a bizarre fall. Listen to this. He was helping a friend move into a historic home in Guilford on Sunday when he tumbled through a floor. <sighs> Instead of hitting a subfloor or a basement, the man plunged 30 feet into a well filled with water. He had to tread water for 25 minutes until rescuers pulled him out with ropes. Miraculously, he suffered minor injuries. But isn't that crazy? Can you imagine the surprise and fear? You're just at a buddy's house. Hey, can you help me move a couch? And somehow, through whatever chain of events, they remove the flooring, and Buddy falls 30 feet into a well. And can you imagine your fear and confusion combined with fear of what has happened? 30 feet is long enough for you to go... I'm not sure what's happening here. Like it's not yeah, like if you fell through time. a normal floor, it'd be like eight feet or nine feet until you hit the sure. But thirty feet is three times that. You're kind of wondering what am what, I going to hit? Some, what's happening? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There, yeah. There's enough time to think. But he hit water. <laughs> Thankfully, there was still water uh, in that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some ways hitting the water is actually better than probably hitting a basement floor. Of course. Yeah, I'd rather hit thirty feet falling into water than nine feet onto a hard concrete floor sure <laughs> but the fall would just be scarier but the impact's lesser that to me is insane the circumstances that led up to that poor man if you just think about all the different things somebody built that well 
Back in the 1800s, this well was built by some, you know, Farmer Joe and his family. All right, there's sport. Let's build this well. And they built it. This well provided water and sustenance to families for generations. But then eventually the 1980s rolled around and a house was expanded over the well. And then it became a trap for somebody. It's just odd that it went from providing nourishment and sustenance to a family to almost killing a man later, 100 years later, 200 years later. Who, would, who in the 80s would expand a home over a well? You like you would odd. have enough engineering thought to go. We should probably probably put cement over they it or something or fill this hole fill up. Or oh, just in case yeah. we need water, maybe I don't know. Emergency water source. Uh, odd. Very interesting. Odd. Yeah, I love that one. That's an interesting one. Jay, what do you got for the next one? The mysterious disappearance of George Carroll in 1961 haunted his son and Michael for years. Various theories from buying cigarettes to a potential Korean lover circulated, leaving the family in the dark about his fate. The puzzle began to unravel when Michael purchased his childhood home. Driven by the need to uncover the truth, Michael explored unconventional avenues, consulting psychics and utilizing ground-penetrating radar. Eventually, the police were called in, and decades after George vanished, his skeletal remains were discovered in the Long Island basement. What added a sinister layer to this story was the revelation that George's skull exhibited signs of a blunt forest trauma. With Michael's mother passing away in 1998, the completed narrative behind George Carroll's burial beneath the house may forever remain shrouded in mystery. Oh boy. Their father disappeared nearly 60 years ago. And while the medical examiner still has to identify the bones, the family in Lake Grove say they believe they've been living with his remains all of these years. Long Island reporter Kristen Thorne spoke with the family and is there tonight with more for us. Kristen? Diana and Sade, George Carroll went missing in 1961, leaving behind his wife and four children, all under the age of 10. The kids were always told that their father went out to, quote, do something and just never came home and they were told growing up to never ask about what really happened to their father. When their mother died in the 1990s, they became curious about what happened to their father, even consulting psychics and interviewing people who used to live in this neighborhood. Some of us believe that we were, you know, abandoned at one point, that this could mean something else and that, you know, he was always here. It's kind of comforting to think that. Could Stephen Carroll's dad be the remains that have been found buried in the basement of the family's longtime home on Olive Street in Lake Grove? His brother, Michael Carroll, who now owns and lives in the home, believes it could be. This is something as as we grew up, you know, we heard multiple stories. In fact, Michael Carroll began excavating the basement three years ago looking for his father. It became dangerous, all right, and where I was digging was actually going to destroy the house. Carroll put the project on hold until recently when he hired someone who used ground-penetrating radar and pointed them to a possible spot in the basement. Carroll's two older sons have been digging for months, and then Tuesday night they found bones buried about six feet down, surrounded by cement walls. Probably going to be my dad. Probably. I don't know that right now. If it is, all I can tell you is it's the happiest day of my life because I've always felt that he deserved better. After all this time and the suspicions and, you know, looking and uh, trying to locate him after nearly 60 years, that the family can now, you know, rest assured that we can give him a proper memorial and, 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 uh, and burial. The Suffolk County Medical Examiner took the remains and is testing the DNA to determine if the remains are indeed that of George Carroll. And if it is your father, you, you have no idea who may have done this. 
I do. Mike Carroll didn't want to expand upon that, only saying that the last person who probably knew what really happened to his father died about three months ago. Mike Carroll says a missing persons report was never filed for his father. He says his father was an Army veteran in the Korean War, and if the remains do turn out to be his father, they will have him buried at Calverton National Cemetery. What are your thoughts? <laughs> what do you think happened the there, mom, Jay? The mom killed him. The mom's boyfriend or something, or something to that effect. So the mother said, don't ask questions. What a weird thing to say to your kids. Don't ask questions about what happened to your dad. Never ask about it again. Whether the mom did it or had help, yes, the mother knew about it. They talked about how they've talked to other witnesses and stories, and they, like there's been rumor that things have circulated through the years in the neighborhood. The mother died in 1998, but the son there said that, that the last person who knew what happened died three months ago from that interview. So somebody else knew besides the mom. When was that interview? That was like recently, they, 2021 or something, because they talked about it being 60 years or something. He was gone in 61. So he's a young father. Poor guy. In his 20s. Gets killed. Okay, the only reason I think it might be the mother, it was buried in the house. Yep. If it was somebody else, you would think they would move the body. Right, get it out of the house. Get it out of the house. The fact that it was dragged into the basement, you know, some of these basements are gravelly basements, so they're not floors and finishes, more of a crawl space. Yep. Ooh. But she had help. She probably had help to bury the body because the other person died just mm -hmm. a few months ago from the interview. Whoever helped her knew about it too. What's the old saying? Friend helps you move. A best friend helps you move bodies. Is that the saying? There is a saying. There is a saying. <laughs> well, no, a friend helps you move, but your best friend or whatever helps you move bodies. Yeah. I don't know. If you called me and said, Ryan, I need your help to move a body, you'd have to think about it. You're my brother. Okay, something must have happened. Yeah, you're implicating you into something. That's the whole idea is yeah. bringing somebody into this where it's kind of like blood over law, right? You know, you're helping your loved one or close friend to... Yeah. For all we know, the husband could have been abusive. What I feel yeah, bad about is, or happy for the children, the sons, is that either if he was abusive or not, it's now like know was, that, uh, they, that they weren't abandoned. Yeah. That's right. That to me that's is right. the, the silver lining in finding the body. They were 10 and younger. So there's a kid who was at least 10 years old. So even the 10-year-old would have known some sort of memory of abuse. The fact that the sons there all seem to be on board with the fact that their dad they really wanted to find him sounds like there wasn't stories of abuse or else the kids would have been like well i guess you had to come into him or something to that effect there was no indication the sons seemed like they were really desperate to find him and put that to rest if anything it sounds like the mother was abusive the reason i say that is the dad's gone and yes. she told everybody not to talk about it and then she doesn't file missing, missing person yeah or anything. interesting hmm. wow really? that's a fun one they're not all this fun, so I feel bad we've... <laughs> that was probably the most down, fun whistle. It's downhill from here. It is downhill from here, yeah. Unfortunately, people might stop listening. All right, the next one is... This is an interesting one, though. This was actually a little bit sad. During a routine repair call in Lansing, Illinois, a technician had an unexpected encounter that went far beyond fixing faulty appliances. While exploring the basement, typically the domain of spiders and the occasional mouse... The repairman stumbled upon a chilling sight, a six-foot, 200-pound alligator confined in a large cage. Astonishingly, this reptile had been imprisoned in the basement, Jason, for 26 what? years. What? No. Yes. Subsisting on a diet of raw chicken. The homeowner, Charles Price, now faces charges for the misdemeanor of unlawful possession of an endangered species, despite his claim of providing excellent care for the ancient creature. The rescue marked the end of a decades-long captivity. Now, I do have a video 
It is a video of the alligator itself and a little bit of like text to music. So I'll mute the music and read the, read some of the text. But if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, you get to see this poor guy. This alligator was finally freed after it was kept illegally. That's a picture of it there. Uh, wow. In a private basement for 25 years. Look at that. It's a beautiful creature. Here's the pictures here of the alligator being brought out of captivity. The owner did not, of course, possess an exotic permit, pet permit. They're putting this uh, carrier here. And it was taken to a sanctuary in South Carolina where it now is being taken care of. And it's being shipped off to South Carolina. So there it is, the rescue of the alligator from the home. 26 years. And it looked, literally looked like it was just a, a box. Yeah. What would be the purpose of having that large animal? It's like, I don't... And then feeding it ch uh, chicken forever? What a weird So thankfully thing. it got freed and it could spend the rest of its life free proper care. I don't think they can put it in the wild now. It'd have to be in a sanctuary. No. It can't survive in the wild. I think they live quite a long time. Yes. Yeah, 60 to 80 years. Okay, so it's still got another wow. 30 to 50 years of life and freedom. So there you go. You go get them, alligator. You go get them. All right. So that was found in the basement in Alligator. Somebody else discovered it, of course. The other person knew about it, the captor. But all right, Jay, you got the next one. Upon moving into their off-campus residence on 13th Avenue in Ohio, the housemates initially believed they shared the space with 10 individuals on the first floor, two of whom were female. However, subtle oddities, open drawers, recently used microwave, and mysterious sounds aroused suspicion that there might be more to their living situation. The revelation occurred when Brett, one of the roommates, ventured into the basement to reset a tripped circuit breaker. To his surprise, he encountered a man who identified himself as Jeremy, but remained evasive when questioned. Alarmed, the roommate conducted a thorough search of the house, but their efforts were thwarted by a locked basement door. Faced with the unsettling discovery, the landlord and law enforcement were called to intervene. Upon breaking open the basement door, they found a cache of personal items such as photos, a television, clothing. The duration of Jeremy's clandestine residence with them remained unclear. When Mark and his roommates moved into their new place off campus, it seemed just like any other college house that needed a bit more work. There was mold in our air conditioners, the walls and the floors were all dirty. But after a month of living in the house off East 13th, the guys started to get the feeling that something more was wrong. We had been telling everybody the story about the ghost in our house coming and opening all our cupboards and the oven and the microwave and all this stuff. They started getting even more suspicious. So Mark and his eight housemates searched the house. Down two flights of stairs in their basement, they found a door. They tried opening it, but it was locked. Behind the locked door, there were some weird noises like dings and alarms and stuff. When their realtor finally opened the door, what they found shocked everyone. A bedroom that someone else had been living in. No, what? You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> Inside the room, they found pictures of the guy with his friends and family. One of Mark's housemates, Brett, recognized the guy in the photos as a man he'd run into once before on their property. The house is divided into two separate rental spaces, so at the time, Brett just thought he was on the other lease. He was like, oh, I was wondering when I get to meet the people that live here, and I was oh, hey. What is your name? He's like, oh, my name is Jeremy. According to Brett, Jeremy was a student at Ohio State. He wasn't home when the boys finally got into the room, so the realtor left a note on his door before he evicted him. Jeremy since moved out of the house, but he left behind some items that show he was living here, such as this mattress that he was using and some drinks and even food. Jeremy had access to a bathroom in the basement and a sink that he could have used to do laundry. But the guys don't think he ever ate their food or went into their rooms. He was a really nice guy. I, mean, I feel bad for him, but it's just 
He wasn't supposed to be living there. Since Jeremy moved out, the guys have changed the locks on their doors. They just feel lucky it didn't turn out worse. It's funny now, but it really could have been potentially extremely dangerous given some random guy had a key to our house and was just living in our house without anyone knowing. How does a dude live in your house and you don't know it? That's so interesting. So when I first heard the story, I was like, well, where does he go poo and pee? That's always the first thing I think of. Where? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he had his own bathroom. So he legit had his little pad, a windowless room in this house, in the basement with a locked door. So he, I think he literally snuck around when they went to school. And he's obviously been there before those students moved in. So this is like a student housing. So something that must have happened over the years or months where this guy maybe once lived there. Sounds like he was an old, he was an old resident or he went to school there and somehow just goes like, Hey, in between semesters, when people move or go on Christmas vacation or something, I'm just going to, yeah, somehow oh, he might've been friends with an old student from maybe eight years ago or something. And he just stays there and he's been living there rent free. The gig is up. I love how he still got evicted officially, but he was a nice guy though. He seemed like a nice guy when he got the eviction notice. Hey, dude, you need to leave from the realtor. He left without a fight. He seemed reasonable enough to know like, okay, I have been stealing in the sense I'm living here rent free. I'm not contributing to the mortgage <laughs> instead of going to jail or having the cops. He just left. So to his credit, he kind of up and left, but he stayed there as long as he could until the gig was up. But he got caught. What I find also interesting is that nobody went to look in the basement be like, hey, let's check out our new digs. You know how kids are. They're young kids. They're in their early 20s, late teens. They're going to school. They're living in a frat house type situation. You know what they probably thought is they probably thought it was just like one of those doors. That's the landlord's yeah. equipment, supplies. It's a locked door. The door's Or locked, a door so that goes like, to another to the, another other side. Yeah, it's like a hallway like to the other residence. So they're yeah. not going to go through it. They're like, hey, that's not our door. It's locked for a reason. This isn't our house. It's it's the landlord's memorabilia, I should say, of stuff or whatever. Like, who cares? They just go about their day. They're just, <laughs> it's Jeremy living there. Jeremy's been there the whole time, <laughs> taking a crap. He's down there taking a crap on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Eating ramen noodles. <laughs> he had a TV. Was there a TV? <laughs> Apparently, he had pictures of his family and friends there too. Like he has little residents in it. This was his home. Bless his heart. This was his. They even the guys even felt bad. I like I like the one kid. He's I, he's a nice guy, and I kind of feel bad he got evicted. But he, he he's not legally supposed to be here. He brought it on himself. He's not supposed to be here. So he, he was evicted. Could you imagine if you thought somebody had broken into your home? Like a crossing? Well, they met him. Between they the bumped into yeah. him, so it was... On the outside, but it's because you might have meeting him on the ins inside oh, of your house. That'd be weird. Yeah. Hey, dude, what's up? All right, maybe we did have a fun one still. That was a good one. That was a fun one. <laughs> that was right. a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jeremy. I wonder if he saw this news story. Like, Where is he? I don't know. Is he in your I basement? He could be. Yeah, guys, actually, yeah. Everyone check your basements. Check your attics. You never know. Oh, man, my attic my house. I kid you not. This is kind of a side note here. I've heard stuff in my attic and I'm telling you, man, at night it's right up. Like there is an attic in our house mm -hmm. and I've heard noises. I'm like, okay, it's probably a raccoon or an animal. And I just, I guess at this point, I don't want, I don't want to know it's, it's sealed off. There's animals living up there. I'm not going to like, I'm not going up there. It's what's done is done. It's whatever's existing. It's <laughs> existing. I've heard things at night and I'm like, that's something up there. It's either, well, it's either a ghost, which is unlikely, or it's an actual physical entity moving around up there. I Dude, if I heard that, I would not sleep one more minute. Oh, I would have to find it. Okay. Well, if I hear it again, I'll let you know. I, I couldn't I don't know handle if... knowing that there's yeah. something up there. If there was an animal up there, I need it out. I couldn't sleep another oh another week. Okay. 
So, yeah, so speaking of things, maybe creatures living in your house that you didn't want living in your house, that brings us to our next one. Royce Robbins and Shannon McFadden's move into their Colorado home took a nightmarish turn when an unexpected problem emerged from below. Snakes. What initially seemed like an isolated issue soon escalated as the weather warmed. It's transitioning from spring to summer and snakes began making appearances through the floorboards. The situation reached a distressing peak when the couple discovered a snake nest under their deck with hundreds of slithering and hissing reptiles infiltrating their property. It's actually very pretty here. A home on the plains seemed perfect. Elizabeth is great. No red flags from the blue house on Rushmore Street. No, nothing at all. Everything seemed on the up and up. Everything looked fine. Shannon McFadden and her husband moved in. First came a sleepy winter. Hundreds of photos. And then a creepy spring. I've got the ones with the heads popping up between the, the slats of the deck. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight garter snakes. Harmless. Yes, yes. Thank goodness. If you're cool with a snake den under your deck. It was a surprise. Snakes under the shed, snakes on the back door, one snake inside. My cats had it cornered in the bathroom. At first, the couple took the problem into their own hands. No, I was using a stick. <laughs> and then I'd fling them. Exterminators brought more professional tools. We removed of over 150 before winter hit. They paid for a new concrete deck and shed. Well, so far about $8,000. Those cheap snakes got off scot-free. Oh, man, there was one that was like this big. I think she was pregnant. She was big around, too. The snakes have moved out, hopefully. A nightmare. <laughs> Shannon should know by spring if there are still snakes on the plains. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. That's actually a terrible pun, but we had to do it. We had to do it. Yeah, beautiful little home, beautiful little property. And so how they fixed this, if you guys weren't quite tracking with the news story, they took out the wooden deck and they built a concrete deck, obviously eliminating the chance of anything living in the concrete. That was a lot of snakes. <laughs> they came to the home. Hey, so it was cool to see a gartner snake when you're out for a hike. Oh, yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. snake. We used to Are catch you, them as kids. Yeah, I know, all the time. But to see thousands coming up underneath your deck around your house or hundreds, I, I don't know. You know who's terrified of snakes? Dad. He hates snakes. He doesn't like looking at them even. I forget we were hmm. watching a movie or something. The snake came on. He, to him. Is Indiana Jones. There's a big snake in the plains, huh? Oh, that's just my pet snake, Reggie. I hate snakes, Shock. I hate them. Come on. Show a little backbone, will you? Yeah. Interesting. So, I did not know that. Yeah. Okay, Jay, you've got the next one. The renovation plans for 18th century home in Ridgefield, Connecticut, took a chilling turn when a homeowner stumbled upon a startling discovery beneath the basement floor. Human remains. Halting the renovations, the homeowners called in archaeologists and forensic experts to investigate further, leading to the revelation of two additional skeletons. Oh, speaking of all, uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah I know. Archaeologists. Archaeologists. Yeah. All three skeletons were identified as men aged between 21 and 50, and forensic analysis indicated the bones dated back to a time long before the current occupants. The house built in 1970 stands on the historic site of the Battle of Ridgefield, which occurred in 1777. It was concluded that these men likely met their untimely end around the same period, marking the first ever discovery of Revolutionary War era soldiers in Connecticut. That is fascinating. 1777. Yeah. So those bones. Wow. Are, what's, what's my math here? 250 years 
old incredible i don't know how i feel about ghosts or spirits or hauntings but that's legit you're building your house on top of four bodies i don't know man i wonder if there's any stories about that area and it's also interesting that you could build the home and not realize that you're on top of skeletons until later yeah they must have dug deeper maybe or something but yeah so i did do some research on this there was a youtube video on it but it was way too lengthy to clip into the show mm. it, was, it was a guy who lives there in ridgefield and talking about the find but apparently the bodies were laid out as such that they didn't die there and they were left there they were buried and they were buried together in a parallel sad these four men had died fighting in this war and they were buried side by side by side it could have been a father and son the ages were 20 to 50 right so who knows there could have been connections there under a captain and a young soldier who knows but the idea that yeah these four bodies were laid next to each other in, in, in a grave it's it's i know not to get all existential here but it's just interesting how at this time when these soldiers were alive in the 1700s this war was so important what they were fighting for was so important all the same they lost their life then all the same everyone that fought in that war it's all it's all irrelevant like it's just weird how now it's yeah. everyone who fought in that war whether they survived the war or not are dead anyways because of time the world does mm -hmm. not care time does not care about your cause everyone who thinks yeah. they have a cause today whether it's a political party, some sort of medical uh, code or whatever it might be, we're all dead regardless. <laughs> like, it's just funny how the things we seem that are so important, the things we fight for and scream at another person for and all the Karens of the world and all this stuff. It, at the end of the day, we're all going to be these 1700 soldiers buried in some yard and have a house built on us. It's odd. I find the whole timeline of existence odd. I've had similar thoughts, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I don't know what to make of it all sometimes. I, of course, at the end of the day, yes, you just do the best you can with the information you have, with the life you have. I understand all that stuff, folks. I get it. I try to be a good husband, a good father, all that good stuff. I know. But at the end of the day, no matter what we do and all the things we struggle for, we're going to be a soldier buried under our house one day. Okay. The next one, another war theme, actually, but a little bit later war. Well, Jay, as you probably know, owning Nazi memorabilia is widely disproved. Some individuals harbor, however, a fascination for the macabre and the controversial. From flags and hip flasks to army-issued Luger pistols, hiding these items can be as simple as tucking them away among your other belongings. But what about a tank? That's right, you heard me, Jay. A tank. An investigation of Eichendorf, northern Germany, into a senior citizen's possessions revealed an astonishing find. A World War II Panther tank concealed in his basement. Wow. Uh, driven by a collector's passion, he had blatantly violated regulations concerning the storage of weapons. As a consequence, he does face a hefty fine of 250,000 euros. Hmm. Uh, interestingly, the man's legal team argued that a museum in the United States had expressed interest in purchasing the tank, contending that it might represent the most appropriate utilization for such a historic military vehicle. In July 2015, the world was stunned when the German police took possession of a strange collection of wartime relics in the basement of a house in Heikendorf near Kiel on the Baltic coast. There was an 88mm flak gun, a torpedo, and a large collection of firearms, perhaps most interestingly, a panther tank, all in excellent condition. While searching the man's house, the police discovered his other collection in the basement and moved to seize the vehicles and weapons. The problem was, everyone locally knew about the panther tank. How the collector had managed to acquire such a rare vehicle was not a mystery. He had personally resurrected it from the scrap pile over 40 years earlier.
The Heikendorf Panther ended up in a scrapyard in Britain after being discarded by the army. In the early 1970s, the German millionaire bought the Panther when the scrapyard was being cleared and had it shipped to Germany. By the late 1970s, the Panther was back in running order and was apparently often seen being driven around Heikendorf. Also, the owner was in possession of a note from the local government issued in 2005 that stated that the Panther had been demilitarized, that is, the main gun could not fire live ammunition. But in July 2015, the Panther, other vehicles and weapons were all seized by the authorities. The Panther was sent to the German army training area at Putlos for storage, where it remains today. In January 2017, the owner was brought to court on violations of the War Weapons Control Act and weapons standards. For now, the ultimate fate of the Heikendorf Panther has yet to be settled. To get a tank into your basement, I was thinking the whole time, how big is this dude's house? He's a millionaire, according yeah, to Yeah, so when they said millionaire, and when he bought it, it seemed legit to, when he bought it, it seemed okay at the time. So I'm not yeah. sure if the rules change on him or what. Probably to a degree, because it sounds like he had it up and running in the 70s. So he's probably an older gentleman at this point, mm -hmm. obviously. He mm -hmm. bought it as a younger guy, bought some stuff. It Probably back then, the rules were a little bit light or a little bit not at looked into so much that so he was able to purchase this tank at a refurbished. He even drove it around, put it in storage, and he was looking to sell it to the States. But all the same, despite that, it's still against the law in Germany. You know, they take it very seriously there, obviously, at this point, uh, regarding the, any Nazi Sure, stuff. yeah, the Nazi aspect of it, of course. But that being said, well, do you remember <laughs> when we were kids, I think this would have been the early 80s, for a short time we had early HBO. I don't know if you remember that. We had early HBO which was huge back then. They had this cable TV that showed movies without commercials. One of the early movies that was on all the time, of course, this is the early days of HBO, so things repeated all the time. It's like every mm -hmm. like five movies a day almost, it seemed like. Or, well, one movie that was on all the time that I always watched over and over again was the classic James Garner film, Tank. Do you remember that movie, Tank? No. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw it, but I think I had a vague memory of the movie poster or something. It starred James Garner. All I can remember from it as a kid was just, let me show you the trailer, Jay. This might bring back some memories of the film. Jay, as a kid, I, for whatever reason, I was fascinated by this film. But there's no reason why anyone should enjoy this film. But as a kid, eight, nine-year-old Ryan, for whatever reason, I watched this film on HBO all the time. All I can remember from the film today as a 48-year-old is... James Garner's character would drive this tank. He drove it through town. It was just like so yeah. out of place to have this army tank in an American town kind of causing destruction. Sergeant Major Zach Carey was not your everyday commuter. You're the only one in the U.S. Army who owns his own fully operational Sherman tank, for one thing. Are you kidding me? I thought everybody had one of these. The Army was his career. What sort of father is your dad? Cross between George Patton and Danny Thomas. Your division, Sergeant Major, is all alone in the battalion field. But peace was his profession. Hey, 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 you don't want to do that. Is that right? How would you like it if somebody went? Until he got on the bad side of a sheriff who didn't have a good side. Somebody marked up your face when you was on duty. And who was it that marked you up when you was out representing me? I want to know everything there is to know about that sergeant major. William Carey. Yes, sir. This is your lockup. Yes, sir. It'd be enough to get that little boy years, at least two years on the county farm, maybe three. 
I didn't do anything. Somebody else's lock was on my locker. Somebody else was I know. The sheriff is using you to get to me. We are getting a lawyer, and that's all there is to it. Now they've got his son. Any more lawyer noise. And that kid's gonna be shot trying to escape. And they've got the odds. But he's got the tank. I do believe I got you covered. Oh, <laughs> Can I go with you? I can't stay here no more. Jump on. Hide out, Billy. I'm coming to get you. You're crazy. You're going to get us all killed. Come out of that tank. Come out or I'll burn you out. Wow. What have to be the most yep. unusual prison break in recent history, Sergeant Major Zach Carey broke his son William out of the Clemens County Correctional Facility using a World War II Sherman tank. The sergeant and his crew are rapidly becoming folk heroes. We're not running away from the law, we're running to the law, Bill. We're gonna win. They're gonna lose, General. See that cracker trying to stop a tank. Zach Carey won't tread lightly on the men who took his son. Tank. Rated PG. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, That's amazing. The QCY as a kid, I would have enjoyed that film. So I love this trailer. What I love about this trailer for those who... I guess we're going to show the whole thing. The idea, basically, his son gets arrested by a corrupt police force. He breaks his son out of jail with the tank he shoots up things in the town and stuff even though the cops are corrupt you still can't destroy property and cause damage run over police cars i love how he breaks his son out of jail because he's wrongfully imprisoned i bet you he got away with it too and the mother's like we're gonna get a lawyer he's like no we're not we're gonna get a tank we're gonna make things <laughs> we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna make things a thousand times worse than they already are <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the How is this a solution? I also oh. love the trailer. Basically showed the whole movie. And they become folk heroes. The town is like cheering for them. And I like this the sound of the tank. Pew! <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a rocket coming out of the tank, but the sound is pew! That might be one worth watching again. I love that. All right. So as a kid, Jay, I saw that movie more times than Star Wars by the age of 10. <laughs> I don't know why I watched that. And nothing against James Garner. But he does not look convincing in this role. There's like you're not yeah, Stallone. Yeah. I know. I'm not. This is 1984. By... This is 84. So this is James Garner's first blood type performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not convinced. But he has that James Garner type, I you know, know, Maverick wink at the camera type. <laughs> That's his. <laughs> He's a little. <laughs> He's a good guy with a little bit of a bad streak in him. You know, a little bit of a little bit of a rebel. Mm. Love it. Maybe that German guy was holding on to his tank just in case he had to break one of his relatives out of jail. <laughs> Maybe that's why he held on to it. All right, uh, you've got the next one. Yeah. The allure of secret religious sects often lies in their mysterious practices, invoking a sense of fear for those on the outside. This mystique extends to their places of worship, which, when abandoned, can take on a terrifying aura. Pat and Diane Farla stumbled upon one such chilling discovery as they explored the nooks and crannies of the 170-year-old house steeped in history. The unexpected find? 
and an abandoned chapel concealed beneath a metal grid in their basement. A few drinks and a little idle curiosity back in 2010 led to the discovery of a hidden chapel under a family home. The Farla family were having a celebration on Good Friday when they decided to check out a metal grid in their Telford home in Shropshire, England. Three years after Pat and Diane Farla moved into the detached Victorian building, they became curious what lay behind a meter-long rectangle which lay alongside a wall. After pulling it away, they found a hole which was just big enough for someone to squeeze through. And as they found themselves in a small, eerie cellar, which appears to look like a chapel, they had a cross and what appeared to be a podium, signifying it was used as a worship center. That's the photo of the actual site, which I found interesting. There's the little chapel they found underneath their home. Look at that, though. There's that cross that might have fallen off the wall onto the floor, but on the floor. A little seating bench there, podium slash altar of some sort of sacrificial altar, maybe. Look at the walls. This is under their house. This does not look like a chapel. This looks like a place where people do some really bad sacrifices. Come on. Well, chapel for Satan? Come yeah, on. That's... Satan. I always say, come to our YouTube channel, guys. I always provide the links in the shows. If you at least want to see the pictures that we're talking about, it's hard to describe, but it's all concrete. Of course, it's underground. Someone built this. Somebody used it for something at some point. And that's what I find fascinating. Let's continue the story. Yeah. The worship. In the center of the room lay a wooden cross, which appeared to have fallen down after rotting away. Matthew said, we only discovered it because we were drunkenly fooling around and decided to have a look at what was beneath the grid. It was amazing. Everyone was hovering around with excitement. The first thing we came across in the middle of the basement was an old open chest, and in it were old newspapers and bottles dating back to the 1930s. There were also some hooks hanging from the ceiling, which could have been used to hang meat. There were also some sort of brick seats around the walls, which looked like something you might find in a church. The surprises continued as exploration went on, and someone spotted some stairs at the back of the basement. When we spotted the stairs in the room, we tried to find out where they led to. There was more cardboard, and we broke through that and came out in a cupboard in our dining room. It's strange it's been here, and we had no idea. We're not sure what the room was used for, but the crosses and layout suggest it may have been a chapel. The Farless said the deeds in the detached home dated from 230 years ago, and they believe that at some point it may have been used as a pub. Historical documents expert from nearby said, If the deeds are over 230 years old and the room dates back to the 1700s, there's a chance it could have been used as a Catholic hideaway or for other nonconformist religious groups. There's a possibility a room like that could have been used as a clandestine Catholic church, as you couldn't be Catholic during that time. You would be persecuted and executed. So that's an interesting theory, too, that it was built so long ago that Catholic religion was outlawed in that area. It could have been a secret underground Catholic church, which kind of makes more sense with the cross and the altar, and maybe that's where they had their sacrament. Imagine find that old chapel in, in your basement, Jay. That's a crazy find, man. I would almost want to restore it to some degree, have the ultimate like chapel man cave. <laughs> think about that. You could kind of make something out of that if you think about it. I wonder if at some point it turned into a place for, like, if they found alcohol in there, like, did uh, people do moonshine in there or, like, uh, hide out when... Uh, Combination alcohol? of everything, yeah. The fact that there's hooks in there, I wonder what the hooks were for. Hanging meat? What about hanging people? Well, people <laughs> <or> meat. <laughs> that room did not look very inviting. Like, if I say, hey, you want to go to church? I'd be like, no. What's with the hooks? Ah, I want to hang around for a bit. No, I'm good. When I see these old stuff, I wish there was a way we could somehow. So when we drive across Canada, we've done it a couple of times for a family move. But you've done this too when you travel. Jay. You've driven across the States. And when you see old dilapidated buildings, I always think to myself, there was a time there was just land here. Then there was a time that someone said, hey, we must build this here. And they build that there. And then the humans then use that building for the purpose of its the reason why it was built, right? So there was a time that there was peak activity in the building that was built. There was a time that 
This building will always be here, and we're always going to do the thing that we're doing here, whether it's a house, store, there's a peak. And then it dwindles, then it stops, then it gets abandoned, and then it caves in on itself. I find all of that fascinating. So regarding all that thought process, this chapel, there was just land there by nature. Then the human said, we must build this thing here for this purpose. Then that purpose had a peak activity, and then it ended, and then it was abandoned. I always wonder, who was the last person to leave said unit and say, well, I guess we're done. Or they didn't know that they're walking out of the chapel for the last, well, never going to, you know. We're never going to come back. There will be no no human that will come back to this facility for the purpose for which it was built. There's always that last visit where I came to this building because it's a store. I bought something and left. And there's the last customer. And then the last cash out. I just find all the last and the first and the peak stuff of these dilapidated, abandoned stuff fascinating. There's history well, you, there. Yeah, like when you see houses and you, they're abandoned, right? They're boarded yes. up. There used to be birthdays in there. Yeah, birthdays, the Christmases. Christmases. And, <laughs> hey, there's an Easter egg hunt. And everybody's like actually <laughs> wanting to participate and we're having fun. I know. Now Happy it's- birthday. To- <laughs> and, then, <laughs> this is, and again, it's like those soldiers that were laid to rest. Yeah, none of that activity really matters anymore. It's now nah, it doesn't matter. I know all the family birthdays and Thanksgivings and those all homes the purpose, that are now, all the purpose built up into those and the mortgages that were paid and the sweat and tears to build it and the joy. The young husband and wife built their first home. Gone. It's all gone. <laughs> Where are they? What are they doing right now? I get existential in this stuff. I can't help it. It's just weird to me. Okay, last one, Jay. So this was kind of a fun one. I think I remember when this happened. I think I saw this video. Let's just play the video because I think I saw this video when it made the news. Bears on an eating spree and in search of a cozy space to weather the winter. Let's find out more and more and more, though. They're making your home their home. Yeah, guys, we caught up with the head of the Bear League earlier this evening who tells us she has lost count of all the phone calls of bears prowling around properties in Lake Tahoe for food in a winter den. She says if homeowners don't act fast, they could soon end up with a furry 400-pound roommate. After scouting out this snug and safe spot to ride out winter, this big guy is getting the boot. Okay, blast him. Over the last few weeks, the Bear League has had to remove dozens of these curious carnivores from crawl spaces all around Lake Tahoe. It's only going to get worse. The bears are scouting out den sites. A lot of these furry ones have figured out that it's really comfortable and cozy and nice under people's houses. That's because hyperphagia is in full swing. It's a phase when bears pack on the pounds ahead of hibernation. They have to put on about 25 to 30,000 calories a day. And it's much easier to get that out of somebody's refrigerator than to go pick a single berry at a time. They've learned to take advantage of our presence. But in that quest for calories and vacancy signs, the executive director of the Bear League says the massive mammals can make a big old mess. They crawl in, they rearrange it a little bit. Sometimes they knock a few pipes down, take the insulation off of the ductwork. The Bear League encourages homeowners to secure crawl spaces, lock cars and windows, clear bird feeders, and make sure trash is properly stored so you don't inadvertently make your house an open invitation for a bear's winter nap. 
Last winter, the Bear League moved nearly 100 bears from homes in the Tahoe and Truckee areas. It's always better, of course, to leave it to the experts than take your chances with a wild animal. The bear, that one bear crawling out of the guy's crawl space there. That thing was huge. Scary. I'm surprised they stood that close filming this thing coming out. I'd be backed up a little bit. Well, they were experts too. They were ready with the blast horn. So they've done this before. They come out and they blast them. Boom, boom, boom. That was weird. Blast them. I was like, yeah. wait for him to shoot. I think he's going to shoot them. I was like, blast them. The bear's already walking away. They might get curious and turn around. They have to. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so you find a bear in your basement. That would be weird. The oldest time, this whole time you, you've gone to bed every night, unbeknownst to you, you had a bear living beneath you when you're walking around the kitchen, doing your chores. There's a bear in your basement. Where I used to live, it was fairly wilderness, and a lady down a block or two away, she had a den, of uh, a bear den in the back of her property, and she didn't know. And she uh, startled it, and she got mauled, actually. Oh, wow. See, there you go. Leave yeah. it the experts. Leave yeah. it to the bear league. Called the yeah, she, she, yeah, she got, she surprised it, and she didn't realize it had made a home there over the winter. Oh wow! So it is a real thing, not in her home, but on her property, right. and she didn't realize it, and and got Oof. startled, and she got mauled. She she survived. I don't think it was life altering right. injuries, but nonetheless terrifying. Oh man! All right, so there you go, folks. There is our nine things that people have discovered in their basement, Jason. So these are nine things. You have to discover eight of them. What is one that you could do without of these nine that you would not want to personally find in your basement? I'm going to have to say the alligator. I feel bad about that story. I mean, all the other ones are kind of just happenstances and stuff. Or I guess like your dad, finding your dad. (laughs) (laughs) Crushed skull. (laughs) I forgot about that one. I suppose your dad. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with that, too. Because if we were the sons, that would be, uh, that's the most heartbreaking story. I feel bad for the alligator, but it has a good yeah, life. No, so I, I, I kind of forgot about the dad. Has another 50 or 60 years ahead of itself, so the alligator will be fine. But yeah, discovering your dad in your house, that's pretty, yeah, I think it's the worst one. Yeah, so. for sure. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks everyone who joined us. Again, send us an email if you'd like to uh, be a part of the show or give us something to rate and review and then give our worst pick on or just let us know what you think of the show. Like and subscribe. That's free as well to do, whether it's on our YouTube channel or on your podcast app of choice. When you leave us a comment or review or star rating, that helps us out grow our little, little, little podcast. We do appreciate those who do listen every week. Remember, in front of every silver lining, there is a cloud. And today, it was our father's bones in our house in the basement. 